0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into a passage from the New Testament book of Matthew. Clayton, let us know what we're talking about today.
1: All right, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 21. We are going to do uh, the first kind of three little stories here. And let me give you some context for what's going on this is a, a really important turning point in the Gospel of Matthew because this is the final week of Jesus' life. And so uh, he's been traveling around, he's been teaching lots of people, there's been some tension that's brewing, but this is when he actually shows up in Jerusalem, and and this is sort of like the first couple of dominoes that fall that ultimately lead to him being crucified. And so uh, these stories are really pivotal, and they they tell us a lot about... Uh, kind of what, why the things happened to Jesus that they did, and so uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to read this. There, like I said, there are three different stories kind of here, and as we do that, um, I want I want you to have in mind the big question that we'll come back to later in the podcast, which is this: Why would Matthew make sure these three stories got told back to back? Now, the obvious answer might be. Well, it's because they all kind of happen back to back. They kind of, you know, happen one after the other. But there were lots of things Matthew could or, 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 or couldn't have included. Like, there, there are things that he could have, you know, thrown in there that he didn't, and he chose to highlight these three. And Matthew was an intelligent guy who had a point he was trying to make. So always when you're reading in, in the, the Gospels, you should say, why did these stories get lined up the way they did, and what, what, order, what does the order tell us? So we're going to do that um, after we, you know, read it and make some observations.
2: All right, so, you know, I broke my nose three times when we had to read three stories. And, and the reason I'm thinking that right now is I'm having a hard time seeing my screen because I have a ginormous filter on my microphone. And the reason I have a ginormous filter on my microphone is that apparently I breathe really heavy and I make weird noises when I'm not supposed to be on the podcast. But I just want you guys to know that I'm not trying to do that. I've broken my nose three times, and so my, and my septum is deviated, so I have a hard time breathing through <laughs> my nose. So I'm, I can't see my computer screen very well as I've, I read this because of my ginormous microphone. I feel filter. like your
0: feelings are hurt by that ginormous puff screen on your microphone. Well,
2: here, here's what I like. I like it at one point uh, when we listen to the so, – so that you guys know, we, we record these podcasts. Of course, then it goes to an editing process to make sure it sounds right. And so we listened to the podcast, and someone nicely in one of the email streams said, Ferris is making weird breathing noises. <laughs> like I wasn't making weird breathing noises. I was just sitting at the table doing what I normally do. Sometimes my wife, when we're at church service, she'll like elbow me or she'll look at me and say, you are
0: breathing really loud.
2: <laughs> I'm not trying to. I just really only Aww. get air through one side of my nose. So... All right, here we go.
0: Air hug. Eric.
2: Here I am. There you go. Air hug me. I don't. Air hug.
0: Yeah. Don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> Read the passage, man.
2: This is another one of those podcast episodes that's just, if we can get to the end in an intelligent way, we're going to be doing good. All right. So I am now adjusting my eyes to be able to see over my ginormous microphone reading Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a coal, the foal of a donkey." But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Early in the morning... As Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? they asked. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer.
1: All right. So as we do comma here, the O is observation. So we're going to make uh, observations about any of these three scenes here, and then we are going to come back to that question, why these three stories together? What? Are, how are they connected? Because At first, uh, they seem a little random, especially that last one. So let's get some of your observations about these.
0: Well, the first thing that I, I wanted to ask is the word Hosanna, right? Like they're saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So down like the little footnotes of your study Bible, it says that Hosanna stands for save, or it could be like, it's like an exclamation of like prayer or praise, so, like, are they saying, like, save to the son of David? Like, what, what does that mean?
1: Well, the, the the son of David is the king, right? So David is, you know, the, the, the greatest king of Israel. He's the one that God said, you're going to have one of your children on the throne forever. You're going to have this dynasty that's never going to go away. And uh, so to say save us to the king is to say, uh, in you know, in the same sense in the ancient world, if you were you know, being attacked by an army, you know, or you've got Goliath in front of you. You think of David himself. And you're saying, we have an enemy we can't defeat. We are conquered by something we can't overcome. You would cry out to your king, like, do something, rescue us. So they're they're crying out, saying, if you're the king, (laughs) come set us free.
0: That's good. That's a good explanation.
2: I didn't know we got to ask questions at this point. Oh, (laughs) yeah.
0: Well, it, well, uh, you said. What did you? What do you normally say? Observations or questions too? Like good questions, questions
2: are... can be good observations. Yeah, yes, there you that go. is true. I do. I do say that. Uh, so, as we're seeing all throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we're seeing an awful lot of Old Testament quotations here. Uh, another thing that jumped out to me is Jesus giving the disciples very specific instructions about where to go find that donkey. Yeah. And them doing exactly what he told them to do. I don't know why that jumped out to me.
0: Yeah. So one thing that I thought was interesting too is this, it's a really, it's a really interesting picture, right? So like Jesus rides this donkey in, in such a way that people bring their, their attention goes back to the old Testament and that's, you know, uh, on par with what we've learned about Matthew, wanting people to connect things very explicitly with, uh with, you know, Jewish and Israel and Old Testament stuff. So uh he you they reference Zechariah nine nine. And uh it again it tells me that because those little footnotes, those letter those reference letters in the bottom of my Bible. But past that it's like the the really cool part of like they they think back to the Old Testament and they start throwing their cloaks down on the ground and they start throwing branch branches down as like this sign of like, you know Homage, like honor and and it's 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 just it's really it's a really neat picture to, to people to see it and then make that connection like, oh, this is what's happening.
1: Yeah, it would be thrilling to be there on that day, you know, like if you if you were like it's actually happening, you know, this, this thing we've been waiting for, this could be the guy and you're part of the crowd. Like that's a that's a that's a pretty exciting moment.
2: Yeah, it's it's a little a little bit. I know we're in observations, but a little bit of context. When when the Passover celebration was going on in Jerusalem, everybody was traveling to Jerusalem. So the city gets packed around Passover time, right? So if you think uh, New Orleans during Mardi Gras um, or New York City at New Year's Eve, that's Jerusalem at Passover. And so this whole scene of like people coming into the city and people welcoming each other, that is just part of the whole festival, but there's something distinctly different about Jesus entering than anyone else entering. They're all welcoming each other. All of this stuff is going on, but it's kind of like, oh, here comes this guy that everyone's been talking about. Do you think he's really going to be our next king? And so there's, it's, it's portraying Jesus in the middle of this whole Passover festival as something uniquely different. Thanks. I took comma backwards for just a second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. I think about the the temple scene in light of that, too. Um, if it's Passover, it means... It, the temple's always operating. You know, they're, they're offering sacrifices daily. But Passover is a time when you've got, you know, million whatever people in there. And so they... Uh, you know, they estimate they're, they're sacrificing hundreds of thousands of animals over the course of this week. Uh, so when Jesus goes into the temple, it's not a quiet day. You know, he's not just sort of, you know, wandering in with just the people who work there or whatever. It's like there's a crowd to see what he does.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because it's it's almost like this continuous scene where it's like he rides the donkeys in and then now he's in the temple and everybody that was maybe on the roadside followed him into the temple and then he starts making these bold statements about how he's here to fulfill Old Testament law and it's, you know, he makes the the chief priests and the teachers of the law really frustrated, you know what I mean, with him and then kind of goes off at the end of the day after he heals some people and he goes to sleep. You know, and like that's that was a very full day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My work here is done. What do you what do you guys think about this last scene here? What with the with this fig tree? What do you make of that?
0: Uh I I think it's I think it's important to point out that Jesus isn't hangry. <laughs> he's not he's not cursing the tree because he's walked up to it and found that. Because it says he's hungry, so he walked over to the tree and he tried to, you know, pick some fruit off it so he could eat it. Um, He didn't get mad and just curse the tree because it didn't have fruit on it. Um, I think it's an important illustration uh, alongside of even what happened in the temple when he was finding, um, you know, people setting up shop and selling and buying and robbing potentially going on or... um, you know, not trustworthy selves, whatever you can look, you think about. But it's, it's this idea of um, he saw a healthy tree, walked up to it, and it hadn't bared fruit. And you see the temple and you know that it's supposed to be a place of worship and prayer. And it wasn't until he came in there and started turning over all those tables and people were able to come in and experience prayer and worship and find healing. They experienced God the way it was supposed to be and so in the sense the tree is supposed to be bearing fruit but it's not
1: yeah that the bearing bearing fruit thing is a a phrase that's come up a bunch in the over the course of reading Matthew you know he he keeps talking about a good tree is going to bear good fruit and you know if you you see bad tr- fruit you know it's a bad tree and and these sorts of things and he's a, he's applied that a few different times over the course of the book and so to see it here in literal fruit, you know, the, it's, it's almost like this illustration he's been using all this time, you know, like when a, a pastor brings a prop on the stage, it's like he found this prop to say, like, we're going to do this right here, you know, there's some bad fruit and we're going to call it out. Um, it's, it's something bigger than just him saying, I really wanted a fig right now.
2: What makes it even more confusing is which, uh, is it Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, that the fig tree is also part of the story? But in Mark, it says that it wasn't season for figs. Yeah, which leaves you with the like the moral quandary. Like, all right, so he walks up on a fig tree. It's not the season for the fig tree to producing producing figs, yet he still judges and curses the fig tree for not producing figs. I, I can't wait, Clayton, for here you, you put all three of these stories together because <laughs> I, I can't wait to see how you do it. Because the the fig tree is one that is, um, it is perplexing to people. Yeah, and they ask the question like, well, why did he do that? Right. Nicky joking around. It was he hangry. Um, you know the best I have understood that. I'll just I'll just talk about the fig tree, and then I can't wait for you to put these two together. <laughs> yeah. uh, my best understanding of this is if a fig tree has leaves on it, it is presenting itself as if it's bearing fruit, and so whether it was in season or not, right? The point is that the fig tree was presenting itself as something, but it wasn't. Actually producing the fruit that it was presenting, it should be, Um, and so I don't know how to go any further than that. So I'm glad you're the comma guy today.
1: (laughs) Well, let's let's try to connect uh, these these three incidents here. Um, Some some of the the connections have already been made. You know, Nikki, you pointed out like this is one day. You know, he 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 marches in and he goes right into the temple. it's interesting to connect those two because when we, like when you do Palm Sunday, sometimes you, you know, you're at church and you, you're celebrating Palm Sunday, you just get this first part, you know, we're, we're excited that the king has arrived kind of thing. Um, but we don't get this next part because the king has arrived for judgment. And this is, this is a big deal. So, w- one thing to, to a, a little bit of context that maybe you picked up kind of over the course of reading the Bible, if you've, if you've uh, especially been in the Old Testament a bit, is that the king and the temple have a connection. So especially when they're calling him the son of David. So if you're Jewish and you're thinking who's the son of David? Like there's a literal answer to that question and it's a guy named Solomon. And Solomon was, you know, one of the more famous kings who he he was the guy who built the temple. Uh, David got a lot a bunch of the materials together, Solomon actually put it together. And throughout Israel's history, even though the kings weren't priests, they weren't doing anything in the temple, they were often the people who when the when the, the temple was uh, becoming a an unclean place where they were worshiping false gods, they were they were doing things, they would come in and they would say, no, we're going to reform this. We're going to clean this up. And so you get these kings, Davidic kings over and over, that they say, it's it's my job to say, this isn't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. So De- uh, Jesus is doing exactly what those kings have done. You welcome me as your king, and now it's time to clean up what's going on here. And then with the fig tree, it's, again, kind of that living parable. It's that that... Uh, example, and it's saying I've just looked at a tree, this temple, and it's not bearing the fruit that it should. It, this is a place where people come in; they're being exploited. They're trying to, you know, uh, you know, buy a buy a sacrifice, and they're being overcharged. This is a place where you've got uh, hypocritical leaders that are doing this. They're, uh, it's set up in a place where rather than welcoming in people for prayer, uh, the you know, for all nations, it says in in uh, you know another gospel, like instead of welcoming people in. This is a place that's keeping people away. And so all of this together, Jesus is saying, this isn't right. And as the king, it's my job to say, let's clean this up. And so that's where the, the, the fig tree is that kind of living example of that. You even get a little hint, and so this is kind of, this is, this is a, you know an observation I wouldn't expect you to make, but it is worth noting in verse 21, when Jesus, they're walking up a mountain toward the city of Jerusalem, and he says you could say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea, and it would be done. Now, we often hear that kind of out of context thinking, well, any mountain, I could tell a mountain to move, and if I have enough faith, you know, it could happen. Um, Jesus is talking about a very particular mountain, Mount Zion, saying, hey, if if you say the building at the top of this mountain, the temple, will be destroyed, it could happen. And in a chapter or two, Jesus is going to do exactly that And then it happens. Not immediately right there, but within that generation, the temple's destroyed. And so Jesus is coming in, judging the temple, and this is what gets him killed. So there's a whole bunch of things that made people upset about him, but this is the moment when they're like, enough is enough. He has come in and condemned the religious establishment, said the religious leaders are hypocrites, and he said that the temple is going to be destroyed. We don't want this guy to be the king. Let's take him out.
2: Happy Easter, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) So, in the spirit of taking you backwards, yeah, let's uh, do it. You know, since I already did it once, I'll do it twice. For those of you out there that are listening, and you, you, you read or you hear about Jesus going in and uh, doing some work in the temple, saying, "This is not what this is created for. Uh, This you've made it a den of robbers." It's not just that they were selling stuff. Sometimes I hear people say like, you shouldn't sell t-shirts at church or you shouldn't have a coffee shop at church. And that's not, that is not what Jesus was addressing. What was going on is when people were traveling to Jerusalem and the Passover, you were bringing your sacrifices. It was very difficult to bring your sacrifices with you all the way to Jerusalem. So what you would do is you would travel to Jerusalem, then you would buy the animal at the temple. What was going on is they were jacking up the prices of the sacrificial animals and they were also jacking up the exchange rates of money. And so they were using the temple for financial profit. And what was happening is those that didn't have as much money weren't able to participate in the Passover festival because they couldn't afford to because all the rates were getting jacked up. And so as Clayton said earlier, the temple and Passover, like that whole thing was meant to, in, to include as many as people as possible. But what they were doing was they were excluding people For the sake of financial profit. So just want to draw that distinction because listen, everybody, it's not as simple as you shouldn't sell t shirts or coffee at church. Now, if the only reason the church exists is a song and dance to get you into the church, to get you to buy stuff, yeah, then that should be judged. But the t shirt and the coffee itself is not a problem, everybody.
1: (laughs) We will
0: have celebratory noises, (laughs) t shirts available and no, it's no.
1: no, it's, it's, it's not about the prophet. It's not about the prophet. It's about giving people access uh, to God. Um, all right, let's, let's go on to uh, one of the M's in comma. Let's, let's do meditation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this uh, quote that Jesus uh, quotes here uh, from the book of Jeremiah, and he says this about uh, the, the temple in Jerusalem, but I think this also applies to uh, us as God's temple, and it goes like this. My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Ponder that prayerfully for 45 seconds. Alright. The next M in comma is message. So let's go around and uh what message did you get out of this passage?
0: Uh for me I um I kind of narrowed in on the fact that it's it's good to be who uh Jesus desires us to be. Um just like with you know the way it was supposed to be in the temple. That was a good thing. And then people came in or things came in and disturbed the way it was supposed to be. And the same thing with the tree. Uh, the, you know, it, it, was, it would have been a good thing for the tree to be what, what it was supposed to be, you know what I mean? But it wasn't. It, it hadn't burned that fruit that Jesus had desired it to or expected it to. And so I, I think it's good for us to be who Jesus desires us to be.
2: I think about how crazy... Jerusalem must have been during Passover. Just think about all of those people and all of that religious activity and all of that celebration and all of the noise and all of the stuff. And Jesus Jesus comes into town. And just like Nikki was saying, he says, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not what this is intended for. And so my message, whether it's the temple or the fig tree is, I think what, when I read Matthew's gospel, what I'm seeing here is Jesus is the one that can ride into town and cut through all of the nonsense and say, this is what this is made for, and this is not what this is meant to be. And so it is Jesus who has got all of the authority to say those things and be 100% accurate in his judgment.
1: Yeah, I think something similar. I think my message would be uh, that that Jesus judges whether or not we are bearing fruit. You know that that He is the one who can speak into our lives, and one day, ultimately, He's going to do this for the whole world. He's going to say, "This is right. This is wrong. This was this looked healthy, but it actually wasn't. You know, this is this is uh, this is the way it was meant to be. This was this is not." And so, uh, right now. Jesus can come into my life, and he's the one who can actually say, this may look healthy, but it needs to be dealt with. You need to bear good fruit. Um, and so there's a, there's a uh, uh, severity to that. There's, a, there's an intensity to that. Jesus didn't just come uh, to rescue. He came to be the king um, and to, to put things right, which is a, a good thing, but uh, it can be uh, intense.
2: If we gave out a comma guy trophy,
1: like, you know, like the Stanley Cup, like whoever wins
2: the NHL season. Oh, Clayton doesn't. Clayton's just blanking out right now. <laughs> I'm doing a
1: hockey analogy. The, the, the Stanley Cup? Sports.
2: Is that like a... <laughs> a sports, sports story. <laughs> So, Clayton, do you know that when a team wins a Stanley Cup that it gets passed from team to team? Yes, I like do They don't, I, I they do don't actually create know a new, yes. create yes. a new yeah, trophy. Okay. So if we had, like, the Stanley Cup of being the comma guy, I think Clayton just won, like, the Stanley Cup of comma guys. Like, if I had it, I'd give it to him because the way that he put – illustrated how all those three stories bring together one message. Dude, that was comma guy genius. Well, thanks, man. Uh, I'll
1: have to go read how hockey works sometime uh, and, and understand that compliment. Thank you. Uh, let's let's do uh, application. Uh, how does this apply to your life?
0: Uh, for me, I said regular reflection on what the Bible says, uh, who Jesus desires me to be as his disciple. So identifying the areas of my life where I need his help to grow and to bear fruit.
2: My application is a combination of this conversation and the conversation I had just before coming in the podcast studio with my accountability partner. And one of the questions we asked each other today is the visible you, the same thing as the real you. And so both that conversation and this conversation, my application is to seriously ask the question. If, if Jesus was to ride into town, like ride into my life and and really evaluate what's really going on on the inside of me, not just what I show? Is the outside the same as the inside? And am I giving Jesus access to really speak into the to the internal parts of my life?
1: Yeah. I, I'm thinking about um, saying, I, I need to take a look at the places in my life where I feel healthy or look healthy or where where I would normally say, yeah, I think I got this together, and actually ask the question, is this hiding anything unhealthy? Like, is it, is it distracting me from the fact that there are things underneath that need to be dealt with? And so, uh, you know, people at the temple, they're thinking, oh, this looks pretty good. Uh, but Jesus cuts through that. And to, so to actually say, where are the things I feel like I'm confident in? But say, where, where could that be obscuring something that really needs to be addressed?
0: All right. Well, that was a great conversation, guys. And Clayton, apparently you won the Bible Savvy Comma Trophy i was i was waiting for it
2: that's a random i don't know how that has anything to do with the stanley cup maybe this does there you Ooh,
0: go Ooh, <laughs> all right friend thanks for listening this week join us next monday for a new episode we'll be looking at another passage from the bible savvy reading schedule and in the meantime if you're not following along with the reading plan Check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast.biblesavvy.com. And if you're a Twitter fan, you can check us out there. Find additional Bible Savvy insights. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.